Hello and welcome to Be Positive Shoot Negative Podcast. This week I had the pleasure to sit down with Joe Tobiason, a Seattle-based wedding and life photographer. So without further ado, let's hop right in. So everyone has it like a story of how they got into photography. Um, how did you get into photography? Uh, I started in, uh, well, so in college, I did a study abroad trip in Central America. And I just kind of had like a little Casio point and shoot um, on it. And when I got home, I don't know, I, people seemed to think my photos were better than other people who had gone on that study abroad trip. Um, and so it kind of like just sparked a little bit of like, yeah, it's kind of fun. So I kept dabbling around until uh, I moved to Lima, Peru after graduating from college to work for a nonprofit there. And uh, when I left, I was like, well, I know I'm going to have opportunities to see communities, to be in places I wouldn't otherwise um, be able to access. And so I bought a film camera, um, a Minolta SRT 200 with a 50 millimeter lens on it. And that was still, that was like, I was leaving in 2009. So film was still pretty, re- pretty prevalent. And uh, I knew I'd be able to, to shoot it while I was there. So I proceeded to shoot. Uh, it started off a little bit here and there. And then by the end of my time in Peru, uh, I was shooting probably about a roll a week um, and really had a lot of opportunities to to like exactly what I'd hope for. I would, I would go to communities and stuff. And part of my job was I was a translator for donor groups that would come through. And so we'd go back to the same communities fairly often. And I learned really pretty quickly. I was like, I could either sit around and talk to the other white people who will go home in four days or I can sit around and talk to the locals um, who I'll be back here in two weeks and we, you know, just building relationships. And in those talking and chatting always gave me opportunities to, to make photos that uh, just I kind of opened, opened that world. And so when I finished my time in Peru, I moved back to Seattle and was the, the guy with the camera in my friend group for a couple of years um, until my poor friends started asking me to shoot their weddings because they couldn't afford uh (laughs) seasoned professionals um and that was so my first wedding was in 2011 and that kind of was the 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 beginning of that and so I started doing it on the side for a couple years until 2014 when I quit my day job and uh, started doing weddings full-time and then do a lot of other a lot of other stuff um, other types of photography on top of weddings as well but that still is my primary moneymaker that's my breadwinner that's my like when people ask me, what do you do? I define myself as a wedding photographer. Um, so from November 2015 to September 2016, uh, you worked at an on-field media project as a teacher. Can you tell me what this project was and what you did for the project? Definitely. Uh, on-field media project was the brainchild of a guy named Matt Brandon. He's a, a photographer. He's based in Penang, uh, Malaysia, and he's very 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 good um, our styles are very very different but definitely check him out on instagram at matt brandon uh and he does some work for national geographic and a bunch of other stuff but uh on field media project was the the concept was that we he and i both do some work with international nonprofits, and the concept was that everywhere we go we'd find these these organizations that would bring us in to shoot for a few days and we come in and we shoot a couple hundred like really high quality images and they would just then ride those same marketing images for years because every organization, every nonprofit is a little bit underfunded. And so unless you're, you know, the Gates Foundation or something. Uh, 
but so there would but stuff continues to happen organizations continue to evolve and continue to grow and so the concept of on-field duty project was to to come in and train the local staff on how to to the basics of photography the basics of storytelling the basics of using especially using cheap cameras or your phones on how to 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 compose how to do basic editing on your phone all those kind of things to be able to tell those you know, these are maybe these are not the photos that they should be using for their big annual donor campaigns, but these are the images that they could be putting onto Facebook on a regular basis um, and use in a, in a way to to tell the ongoing story of what was happening. Um, and so with that, I did a couple rounds of these trainings. I did some in Texas, and then I also did some in uh, New Zealand. Uh, and then in 2016, we kind of ended up closing the, the organization um, because as much as that idea makes a lot of sense when I say it, when we when we talked about it and people are like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. Also, you're asking then people who photography is not what they care about um, to take photos and you you can tell people information, but you can't make them care. And that bridge we just were never really able to, to get. And then on top of that, it costs money to bring us in. And so these kind of organizations were ending up with not as many way crappier photos than if they, instead of having paid for this, this, this training, they just would have paid to bring us in. They'd kind of have their good photos and it just kind of ended up getting lost. And to be honest, most, most small organizations, you'd be asking your like local staff to work and they're all overworked. They don't have the bandwidth to do it. And so it just kind of fizzled because as much as the idea made sense, it didn't work out in practicality. Um, you already touched on how you got into wedding photography. Uh, could you expand on that whole uh, situation? Um, I, yeah. So like I said, I started doing my first weddings in uh, 2011 and did it on the side. And it was just something that, that just fit with who I am. I am, I'm a jack of all trades, DIY kind of a person. And so as weddings are, and this is something I think, uh, Braden touched on in one of your previous episodes I was listening to right before. Um, and that, uh, but yeah, a wedding photographer has to be able to do everything, any type of photography, you know, in a wedding day, whether it's portraits, families, details. Uh, so that would be like still life, uh, a bit of landscape, um, whatever else you're going to do. And so I really enjoyed that, that, that need to have that, that full breadth of, of a skill set, and I like the chaos, and I like the the emotion, and I'm a pretty stable, not very easily flapped, very uh, level-headed kind of a person. And so, going into a wedding, I think I also do a really good job of, or just my personality fits really well with helping people in a day that is often stressful. It is often um, it's busy, it's it's crazy, and so I can kind of go in and can read a room fairly well, and can help people be the version of themselves that makes them not just like have good photos from a day, but helps them enjoy the wedding day more. And so that at the end of the day, they look back on photos that hopefully don't just help them remember what happened on the day, but helps them feel the same feelings they were feeling in those moments. And then look back on the photo making experience and also say something to like, that's not just, oh yeah, yeah, we took photos, but more just that it was an experience that added to the joy of the day. And so if I'm going out and I'm taking sunset photos with couples, it's trying to go someplace that's fun and is a, is a, is a breath of fresh air and is a moment that they can go and like, yeah, I'm definitely going to go and take this epic photo, but I'm also going to give them a, a second of that and like, okay, go stand over there and I'm going to go take this, this big landscape from way far back. So you guys look really tiny in it. But also part of that is to give them a moment so that the couple is just like, can go and get their, 
oh my gosh, we just got married out together in 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 a scene in in that world together. And so I just I really like weddings, and it has just been a really fun way for me to continue to push my craft and to push my storytelling abilities, but also to be able to do it in a way that helps document these important um, touchstones in people's lives. And especially, I think that wedding photography is really an important tool uh, with uh, with uh, the pandemic and all the, all the chaos of these things. Um, there's a lot of unknown in the world right now. And one thing I was reading an article that people are saying that uh, this the study was saying that with, with the best things that helps ground couples during during times like that of, of chaos of instability is to have something nostalgic that pulls them back together and so that's exactly what i'm doing so i'm trying to create you uh photos and especially if you have an album or something that it will give them a moment that they can sit down and relive that nostalgia together and hopefully reground themselves to a place that then they can jump off of and move forward in a in a, in a good direction and help them out of whatever hole that they were they were in and that's definitely what i've done during this time i mean definitely wedding photos, but also like our travel albums and stuff like have helped me like as I can't go get in an airplane and travel around the world right now. Uh, going back and at least looking at images of Iceland or Portugal uh, helped me in my mind be like, okay, I did get to do that. So even if I can't do it now, I still have those memories. Uh, why do you shoot film instead of just being strictly all digital? I like hard things. I like stuff that's difficult and pointless um so also i run and which is pointless but also wonderful um but also i kind of like the the like the schrodinger's cat of 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 a film um the showing the the mind the the mind the mind game of schrodinger's cat so like put starve a cat in a box it's been two weeks is the cat dead or alive we don't know until we open it well i kind of feel like that with photos is i'm just out there and i make the photo and i don't know if it's good it's, maybe it's the greatest thing i've ever taken or maybe it's complete garbage but um, that anticipation is so life-giving and fulfilling um, that it just helps me focus in on just the, 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 the making side of photos and not as much on the, the production side of it and the use of it and the social media and all that other stuff. And so especially when I'm out making photos, if I'm just holding my Mimeo 6 and my Leica, um, then I can just focus on making photos and not thinking about what I'm going to do with these photos that I can just, just go make. Uh, you did a project during quarantine. Um, can you touch on what this project is and how did it all come to fruition for you? The, the project uh, for now, my running title is me and Lena during the quarantine. So Lena is my daughter and I, about a week into quarantine last month once we were really locked down here in Seattle because I live in Seattle and we were one of the first places that really started to get locked down and all of my weddings started to cancel and I just was very depressed I was really not in a good space and I just needed to to make something and I just decided I was like I'm gonna start taking uh, a self-portrait every single day with my daughter um, and we'll do some that will be really creative, some will just be more documentation of our lives. But if every day we can go out and I can make one intentional photo of me and her, we can go with that. And so as I started, it was, I was shooting photos on my Mimi 6 and I was probably, I'd take like a backup photo every day because at the beginning of quarantine, we all thought it was gonna be two or three weeks and we'll go back to normal. 
Um, and so I was blasting through a roll of 120 every two or three days and uh, quite quickly realized that this was not a sustainable solution for it. Uh, so after, I think I did 10 rolls through it that and kind of slowed down. So I, I could get a week's worth of, of photos out in a, uh, a per roll. But after that, I kind of have slide over and expanded out to use other cameras. I use my 35s and stuff, but still trying to um, trying to go and make make a photo every day with her in a way that 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 pushes me. But it also has become a really fun moment with with Lena. Uh, she's just a toddler, but she definitely knows what the camera is and what it does. And um, in the last month, uh, more and more, she's been the one actually clicking the shutter um, because well, she sees sees me do it and wants to to join in, um, which is it's crazy to, to even just in nine months now to be able to look back on how much uh, how much life has changed, how much she has grown, um, and to be able to have like a creative process that that goes with us. So I don't know when this is going to end. I don't know if I will. I, part of me wants to just keep doing this project until she moves out of the house. Um, so I've got about you know sixteen to twenty five more years of this, depending on whether she's a bum or not. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> Or it might be over once you know we get vaccines or something like that. I, I really don't know, but I'm just kind of rolling with it without that end in, end date and just trying to enjoy being in in the process. And then I'll put it together into something, even if it's just a coffee table book for myself um, someday. Uh, you develop and scan uh, your film. Uh, why do you do that? The process of that instead of sending it off to a lab? Because I'm a cheapskate. <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's, I mean, part of it, yeah, because uh, a role uh, to develop, I mean, I'd go to the dark room or something that costs 12 bucks a roll, and a packet of C41 chemicals costs 25 bucks. So for every two rolls that I could get developed professionally, I can develop 25 rolls myself. And so it just allows me to shoot a lot more. But also, as like I said before, I'm very much a DIY kind of a person. And so I do really like the process of touching as much of the process as possible. And so I enjoy that, that moment of sitting there with my, in the dark, dark bag and putting my, the photos into the role. And I kind of like, you know, as much as I try to wear a mask, like I like the smell of the chemicals and I have started to make darkroom prints. And so I really enjoy seeing them, them develop on the page. And I know there'll be a day when I'll want to learn to make my own paper and my own photographic paper or something like that. So I can try to touch as much as I can in the process and how not to say that I'm a perfectionist at all, but I just, I like, to, I like to, I, I like to do it all. You touched on the hands-on experience. Um, do you enjoy the more hands-on experience that you get with analog photography uh, versus uh, that with the comparison of digital where you just take the picture and you see it right away and you don't have to go through the developing and scanning and all the other process. Yeah, I definitely do. I think it's, it's almost, it feels more like, I think film cameras have more of a personality and films definitely have more of a personality. And so learning how to build the partnerships between those, those things, whereas a digital camera is, it is, is much more of what you want it to be. And so you're able to, to use it. It's a lot easier to put into a computer to manipulate, to make it to be the thing that you, you, you want it to, to force it into whatever creative endeavor you had in your mind. Whereas with film, it feels much more like I'm working with the tools to create an image. And I like that rhythm. I like that, that balance that those things have. And that's not to say, especially as we scan and, you know, I'm not making prints 
or I'm not a ton of prints based on straight off of my negatives, but so there is still space to, to do more of that digital manipulation to make it be what you really had in your mind, especially as you're diving into, you know, spending hours looking at negative line pro or whatever, trying to get your colors right. But it does feel to me that like, I know which of my favorite cameras, which films that they like to hold the best. I know that my Mamiya 6 loves Portra uh, 400. I know that my Mamiya RZ67 loves uh, Ilford HP5+. Plus. I know that my, rest in peace, um, Yashica T4 was a huge fan of Kodak Color Plus 400. And so knowing how to study which cameras work the best to tell those stories um, and to have the, those tools work together really uh, worked well with myself. And it helped me know which camera I was going to grab when I was leaving the door. Uh, you've traveled around the world. Uh, you've touched <laughs> on this. What has been uh, your most memorable moment traveling with a camera in hand? Um, I was I always struck with, struggle with superlatives like most and stuff but I, I think in general my my favorite thing of traveling is sunrises um actually it's just one of my favorite things in general I'm a I'm a morning person I was up at five something this morning to go running uh and watching the sunrise over the lake but to no matter where I go that's that's always my my favorite time is to be outside so whether it was watching the sunrise over the Alpama district of Portugal with my Mimia 6, or it was um, <clears throat> walking back alleys of uh, Nepal or Bangladesh, um, I'd write as the sun was getting there. Because there's just this, there's something about watching the world wake up. People are, don't expect you. It's different. It's, they, they don't expect you, but also they don't care. And so it's one of the most like unplanned, un interrupted most true senses of that moment like no one's putting on airs at five o'clock in the morning no one's trying to look cool they're just trying to get their 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 their, their stall of fruit ready to go they're just trying to get to work and so to be out and experience those kind of moments and to just see life happening at the speed it is and on top of it like if you go to a touristy place that's the only time you're going to not be taking pictures of people that look like you you're going to take pictures of just the people who live there and I just really enjoy those kind of moments out there. Uh, what do you enjoy the most about taking photos? Uh, furthermore, what brings you the most happiness when you're taking those photos? I think it's the, the thing that is, is it's an excuse to, to dig deeper. Um, photography is a reason, isn't a good excuse to go walk down a weird alley. It's a good excuse to take a picture of a broken car sitting on the side of the road. It's a good picture excuse to take a really a photo of a really cool car sitting on the side of the road. And so no matter what, it's, it's an excuse to to focus in on that one element element of life that you see and with respect, with uh, honoring whatever the subject is, especially if you're working outside of your own um, context, but to to focus in on the one element and figure out how to to help other people see it. Uh, my friend uh, Adonia Jaja, who is a wedding photographer based in uh, Colorado, uh, he gave a talk and he talks about the difference between stadium and punctum. Stadium is a thing that everybody sees. Stadium is that big sunset and everybody sees it and it looks cool because we all agree that like big bright sunsets are super cool, but it's not, it's not that, that unique in itself. And the punctum is that thing that probably just, it's that little thing that just pokes a little hole in your heart and that only you see it, 
and that the job of a good photographer is to take that that punctum take that little thing that only i see and to to magnify it to be a thing that everybody else can see and uh and that's yeah that's just like when that works when you know that you did it that you saw some element you saw some connected thread that you put together you saw some little thing and the light hit it just right that you were able to use your your tools just to, to share that that's that's the stuff that just lights my lights my soul on fire, and then also photographing my daughter because you know I'm a yeah. dad. I can't I can't help it. <laughs> uh, when you were a kid, uh, you mentioned that you always wanted a camera in hand. Uh, you started out with a Minolta camera. Over the years, what camera has meant the most to you, and why? Um, as well, what camera has made the most memorable images you've taken? Um meant the most to me uh, i know we've most talked about, about analog but probably it's my canon 5d mark III um is the one that because that's the camera that really has let me do what i do um as much as right now i'm in a stage where film photography is the 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 thing that drives my creativity is the thing that pushes me in a new direction that is opening up new worlds uh that 5D Mark III is what brought me to this point. It's the, the camera that I shot, I still shoot all my weddings mostly on. And that's the one that has gone to um, all kinds of different countries and has done what it needs to. But as far as most memorable images, at least for me, because again, it's probably my main Mia 6. Uh, that's probably my most, my favorite image I've ever taken is just this one of my daughter hanging on a flagpole in uh, Singapore. And in the end, like if you've taken photos that aren't for clients, that what are the ones that hold on to your heart? That's that's what it is. And I hope that I've made other photos that other people hold on to in the same way. But um, yeah, also it's that Mia Six is just my favorite camera to hold right now. It just it just fits so good in your hand and. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of square format too. So it just, it's, it's, it's a fun one. Yeah. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time, uh, coming on. It means a lot and thank you. Uh, you are very welcome. Have a good one. You as well. Thank you, Joe, for taking the time, uh, for coming onto the show. You can see his work on Insta at Jade Tobiasen and Joe Tobiasen. Um, all the links will be in the description. Thank you for listening and all the support I've been receiving, and stay safe out there.